0: to Chasing Barefoot Ultra. I'm your average runner, chasing some big distances and learning a lot along the way. Welcome back to Chasing Barefoot Ultra, where we talk all things running, mindset, and really tuning into your body. Uh, This week I wanted to talk about some of my bucket list races, some of the in-person ones that I would really love to do one day. This morning, I went out for another run. Uh, My knee is starting to finally feel better. It was ridiculously icy out, though. We had freezing rain last night. I found that the trail shoes that I've switched to, while they're really good in a little bit of soft snow, they're not great on glare ice, but I don't think there would be a whole lot other than studded shoes that would work well on that sheet of ice. So it was definitely a slower run. And there were sections where there was no running. It was a shuffle across the sheet of ice essentially. But it was a nice change of pace for you know having plus three rather than minus 16 that it was the other morning when I went out. I got thinking about the runs that I want to do next year. I've got those kind of laid out, but I've also started thinking about, you know, future runs and races that I'd really like to do. Um, some in person ones that I think would be really challenging to do, um, but set some bigger goals and some bigger challenges. I don't have any time frame on when I would want to do these, but they're just those ones that we reach for, those races that, you know, one day I would really love to do them. The first one, and it's actually one that I recently found out about, and it quickly bumped up on my list of races that I want to do. And that is the Mount Robson 50 K. So I've hiked this trail a couple of times and it is stunning and beautiful. Part of the reason I'd really like to do this as a first race and a first in-person one is because I do really know what to expect on the trail. I think it was last year, though, they had quite a bit of flooding, so while parts of it might have changed, the overall trail itself is going to be the same, and it's going to be familiar. As with any hike that you've ever done, there's going to be sections that you just forget and will surprise you, but I remember the switchbacks, I remember a lot of the steep climbing, so I feel like I would be able to prepare myself for that. In a way that I might not be able to for a trail that I don't know that well. And I mean, for this one, usually when we hiked it, we'd hike in to the Whitehorn Campground, which is about the halfway point, and then we'd hike up to Berg Lake at the top. So to go back there and run it and run it all in one go would be really incredible um, just to have that comparison. I remember when uh, we were hiking, it wasn't that trail. There was another trail that we were hiking and there was somebody who was running it. And I remember talking about it and like, who would want to run the trail? Like, why would you want to just go through it that quickly? But now that I'm here and I'm doing these longer runs, I can definitely see the appeal. It's not the same as backpacking. Um, It's not you know, the same speed, obviously, but you're not stopping and taking lunch breaks or just sit and enjoy the scenery breaks. Um, you're, you know, staying overnight or a few nights. So in that aspect, it is a lot different. When I'd be running it, if I run it, it would be, you know, a lot less looking around. I would definitely be stopping and, you enjoying where I was and taking it in. It would just be taking it in in a really different way. It would be a huge challenge. And I've been thinking of hills around here that I would be able to run and prepare myself for some of the steep climbs because I would definitely want to improve my climbing ability and to be able to run up. A fair portion of those. There's definitely one section just after Whitehorn where it is a steep set of switchbacks and it's fairly long, if I remember right, and I probably wouldn't be running that. But having that strong climbing ability would be super helpful in that race and, you know, in a lot of the in person ultras having that strong climb is going to be really important. Um, When we hiked up it the first time, I remember, we stopped at Emperor Falls, and a friend and I decided it would be really cool to see what standing in the mist of the waterfall was like. turned out it is less mist-like and a lot more fire hose-like. There was a lot of water coming off of there, And it was really cold and we were, you know, drenched within seconds of stepping into it. But even after going in it and being completely drenched and it only being the second day of the hike, I would never change that. It would be something I'd even probably consider doing on the run if it wasn't too much of a detour and if I had enough time banked before the cutoffs just because the falls are so stunning and there's nothing really like standing in the midst of a waterfall as it's coming down like that. So the Mount Robson 50 K ultra would be probably one of my first that I would want to do. Like I said, just because I'm familiar with the trail and I know how stunning it is. After that one, there is a few by Sinister Sports. So they put on quite a few, I've done a couple of their virtual runs and I really like just kind of the atmosphere they generate and being able to do that in a virtual setting is quite impressive. So I'd like to check out some of their in-person ones as well. There's one it's called the black spur ultra it's in Kimberly, I believe. And this one is a series of loops. So there's three loops and each one. You kind of come back to the same staging area, and this is part of the reason I think this would be a good early one to do as well, because I'd be able to have, you know, whoever's on crew for me at that one area, and I know each time I do a loop, I'm coming back to that same spot. Um, So I think, you know, mentally that would be helpful in knowing that I'm not just getting further and further away. I'm just I'm doing a loop and back a loop and back and a loop and back. So depending, you know, on the distance, I decided I wanted to do this one. There's an option of doing a 54 K or 108. So if you do 54, you do loops one, two, and three. Each one of those loops you do once course is supposed to be absolutely stunning as well. You get into some high Alpine, I believe, and. It just looks really beautiful. But I say the biggest thing for me, because I mean, any mountain ultra that you do, you're going to find stunning views. There's going to be something beautiful about each and every one of them. It's the nature of being in the mountains. The views are going to be different, but there's going to be something amazing, regardless of even if it's fogged in and you can't actually see too far. It's going to have its own beauty. That's part of the reason I love to be in the mountains and I want to get back out and try doing some runs out there and race some of these new areas. Because when you're doing it as a race, there's going to be aid stations and support and, you know, people out there to help, to help, you know, get you through, to help make sure you're on track. Other runners that... You, know, you might keep company with for a mile or two and I think it's just you know knowing that there's other runners out on this trail and experiencing the same thing that you are so that is the second one that I'd really like to do so the next one would be from Coast Mountain and it is the Squamish 50-50 this one I don't know exactly how it would work out for me I think You know, I really love the idea of doing it. So that's why I'm keeping it on the list. But I'm also not sure how I would feel about doing a 50 miler and then a 50k back to back. Part of me likes getting out there and just really getting it done in one go. So even if I was doing, you know, 100k is to get out there and get it done rather than have that bit of a break because it might be really hard to motivate myself to get back out there after the first one. But the Squamish 50-50 is a 50 miler on Saturday. And then you do a 50K on Sunday. And I believe you start on the same like starting line for each one, but the trails take a little bit different of a course. I don't know a lot about kind of where these run they're around Squamish. So again, in the mountains, um, in some beautiful territory. And I've seen one video that I believe it was the ginger runner did, um, it showcased a bit of the trail and it looked stunning, like any mountain race looks. So this one I am having on my list, it does have a bit of an asterisk behind it because I don't know really how I would feel about doing those back to back like that. I think having that break in between might just might not work as well for me. Usually, or the last couple of times I've done long runs, I've really wanted to rest the next day, but that's on the list for maybe. And if I got to that point, that would be pretty cool. So my kind of ultimate, dream race is really the Canadian death race. And there's a few reasons why this one is so high up on my list of really wanting to do. And if I could get to the point where I was doing this solo, I would feel really proud of myself um, to be standing at that start line, whether I was able to finish or not, but just to have myself there. So this one is 124 K. There is a neat aspect to this one, um, where you actually have to carry a coin from the beginning. And once you get more towards the end, there's a Creek crossing, and there's going to be the grim reaper standing there waiting and you have to, you know, pay the, I guess, the fairy guy to take you across the Creek. Um, As, you know, the lore goes about, you know, the afterlife and having to pay to get through and why they used to put coins on people's eyes back in the day. So this kind of takes some of that and brings it into the race. So if you get to that ferry and you have lost your coin that they gave you in the beginning, you don't get a ride across. I mean, I guess they probably do give you a ride across, but you're no longer in the race. I don't imagine they would make you swim across, but I guess you never know. Maybe they make you backtrack and go to the next aid station, but I feel like it would be they'd still take you, and you're just not in the race anymore if you've lost that coin. So that's one of the reasons that I've been quite intrigued by that. There's several summits that you make, and it is up and grand cash is where it is. And this particular one, I think it's one of the oldest Canadian ultras as well. Um, I was reading back and they used to actually allow bikes to do it. They don't anymore. I don't believe, but yeah, it's one of the older ultras in Canada. Um, which is also appealing to do just because it does have that history there. And then also just tying in to some of that mythology as well, I think is, It's really cool to be able to do the Canadian death race as well is a qualifier for Western States and Western is, you know, the original ultra, I believe as the story goes, there was this uh, man, I can't remember what his name is. I should probably remember this, but he was, you know, going into this horse race. Uh, which is what Western was originally was a ultra horse ride. Um, And I can't remember if something happened to his horse or he just decided he was going to do it on foot. But ultimately he did the whole trail on foot and kept up with the horses. And that's why you have your 24 hour and 30 hour buckles. So there's, you know, a lot of history to that one too. And it is where all the elites really go but they have a lottery system. So if I was to go and run the Canadian death race and get a qualifying time for Western, I could put in a lottery ticket and potentially get into Western from that. The odds are ridiculously small that I would be able to, even if I had, you know, a qualifying time, because chances are I'm going to have that one race is going to be my qualifier, a lot of people will go and they'll run several qualifiers because every qualifier that you have is a ticket in. So if you run five, you've got, you know, five chances to be drawn. Even then, like with five tickets in there, your odds are still really slim. There's so many people that want to run that race just because of the history and the prestige behind it. And also because there's, you know, the elites that run it and they keep, I believe, a certain percentage for the lottery. There's some that are, you know, guaranteed entry again. So if you were in Western the year before and you're top 10, either top 10 women or top 10 men, you're guaranteed to have entry for the following year. And I can't remember how many they ultimately let in, but say 200 out of probably 2000 people that try. So it's not great odds, but I feel like even if I had the chance, even if it was just being able to say that I put my name in, that I had a qualifying time and I put in the lottery, I think that would be awesome. I think it would be really cool to be in that position. Honestly, if I did all that, I ran you know, the Canadian Death Race, I got a qualifying time, I entered the lottery and I got chosen, I think I would be really wondering, okay, well, what now? Because I'm going to do it, whether I actually finish it or, you know, not, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I will do whatever I needed to, to try and get there and to try it and see what I could do. I think it would be pretty wild to be in the same race as, you know, some of those top names, see them getting ready to just be in that atmosphere with everyone. I think it would be a really cool experience and one that wouldn't be duplicated. And I don't think we can talk about, you know, dream ultra runs without going to that, dark place that really is the Barkley Marathons. And this is really the most challenging run. It's not like any other race that people have done. There's always that one entry that is, you know, the sacrificial lamb that had no right to be there. I think they're actually given the number one. So, you know, when you get there, if you're the sacrificial lamb that has no business being there, it's just the mystery behind this one that I find really intriguing. And, you know, part of me thinks like, this is a hard pass. Like, I don't want to go out there and do this, but then, you know, person starts to think about it and I would, I would try. I would probably be aiming for, you know, successfully completing One loop. Um, Maybe I could get to three and get that, you know, at least that marker. But the Barclays are this really amazing, mysterious run. And there's been, you know, a bit of light brought to them with the latest documentaries that have been out, the time that Gary Robbins tried it. And there was a documentary, The race that eats its young, but this one just seems very pure. There's no real competition between racers. You're all just really out there trying to survive and trying to get through the next loop. If you got to the final loop and there was somebody else out there, then I could see, yeah, maybe then you're going to start to compete a bit. But until you get to that point, you're really all just rooting for each other. The veterans are usually helping any of the rookies who've never been out there before. And it's just one of those races that if you have an opportunity to do it, if you're lucky enough to receive your condolence letter that you've been accepted, then I think you have to try even just to be there to soak up the atmosphere And to set foot on that course and see what it's really all about and how hard it really is. So for somebody who said probably just a couple podcasts ago that, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd keep just doing virtual races or if I want to try doing an in-person one. I sure do have a lot of in-person ones on my list that I'd love to do one day. I think it's really just about finding that confidence in my ability, finding that training that really works well and that I can rely on and trust and not, you know, sabotage myself in the training. It's about just finding my feet in the sport and virtual races are a really great way to start that. But seeing all these racers come together, seeing the mountains that they run, and what they're accomplishing, yeah, I would really love to get there. And I'd love to do that. And that is something I'm working towards. But it's also not something that I'm going to rush. I'm going to take that leap and, you know, do that Mount Robson Ultra when I feel ready. And I think I'll know when that is. I think, you know, it'll be a gut feeling and I'll, of course, have concerns and doubts and, you know, fears about doing it, but also have that feeling that I'm ready to try. And it's if you go out there and you try and you don't make it, well, you tried. If you don't ever go and try, you're already telling yourself you're not going to be able to make it. You've already seen the conclusion because you've never gone so once the time is right, I will definitely be trying. Maybe not all of these, but these are what's on my list right now. And it's subject to change. As I learn about other races and you know see other mountain views, then that's going to probably change what I want to do. Same as the Mount Robson one. I didn't even know that one was there until a few weeks ago and as soon as i realized it was i knew that was the one i wanted to do first and i just had that feeling that this is where it starts it's where i started backpacking and it just feels right that this would be where i would start my mountain ultras my real live in person ultras that i run through the mountains rather than you know the virtual ones that I do to build myself up right now. And I still do love my virtual runs. I love being able to do them from here. I love being able to set my course and not worry about my pace or cutoffs or anything like that. And I mean, next year, I'm still planning to do the virtual options. I really feel like there's some things I need to work on between now and then. And I want to take this year to really learn more to learn more about myself to learn more about fueling properly and training more efficiently adding in you know specific hill work and just really building that base up so when I go and I stand at that start line for Mount Robson I will feel like I'm ready that I belong there well I mean I'll probably feel like I don't belong there but I'll have that sense of knowing what I've done and trusting my training. And that's what I'm really looking to work on in this next year is to really build on that base, to build on that knowledge and to keep on pushing and to see how far this can go and where it takes me. So what are some of your dream races? Where would you want to see your running take you? Are there, Mountain runs that you'd love to do one day? Are you working towards them right now? Have you already set the base and maybe you've already run a lot of the in person ones and crossed a lot off your list? What's next? What are your future runs looking like? What are some big goals that you have or some big running destinations? It's always great to think about where you want this sport to take you. It might change. We are always growing and evolving and changing what we want to do, changing our minds. But having that pull you forward, I find is really a great motivator and it helps just to keep the day-to-day things working. It keeps that drive to do your weight training and to get up in the morning and go for that run when you have those big dreams down the line. for tuning in to Chasing Barefoot Ultra. If you liked what you heard, I would love it if you would share it with a friend. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Chasing Barefoot Ultra.